Well, how are you, Abundant Life Church? How are, you know what? I love this service. I love you guys. I know I tell you this, you're my favorite service, but today you're my favorite service. Good to see you guys. You're alive. You've got energy. You came to worship and you're excited, and that's awesome. Turn to your neighbor, give him a high five, and say, you're beautiful, okay? Just find somebody. You don't have to know them. Yes, yes, yes. Just don't get creepy out there or anything. It's so good to see you guys. We are in this series that we started about three or four weeks ago called Love Is, and we're in this uh, book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and how Paul begins by just talking about the value of love in relationships, and he puts it way up there. It's the highest on the list. You know, you go through the Bible, you go through the New Testament, and Jesus says things like, by this will all people know that you belong to me, that you're my disciples, if you love one another. Such a high priority on love, just way up there. He says, by this is everybody going to know you belong to me, is if you love one another. And then you come to a book like 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, toward the end, it talks about how, you know, now abides faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And so now we come to 1 Corinthians 13, and, and as we start this chapter out, the love chapter, again, Paul uh, five times he talks about how important love is, and he just restates the same thing in five different ways. And he begins by saying that, that if you don't have love in your heart, then all of your words don't matter. You can just talk, 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 talk about love and all this stuff, but if you don't really have love in your heart, your words are just empty. And then he says that if you don't have love in your heart, then everything you know, all the knowledge, and, and there are people who possess great knowledge, even Bible knowledge, and people who know the Bible backwards and forwards and all that stuff. But if you don't have love in your heart, he says it's kind of, it's kind of a waste. It, it doesn't matter. And, and then he says if, if you don't have love in your heart, then, then uh, all that you believe it doesn't matter. You can have all these beliefs and you can think you have your corner on the market and you've got all the theology figured out and all the doctrine figured out and all that stuff. But if you don't have love in your heart, he says it doesn't matter. And you can give all the money that you, you could possibly give. But again, if you don't give it uh, from a heart of love, then he says it doesn't really matter. Everything you accomplish, he says, doesn't matter. And so the value that he places on love is so high that, that you can't really over-exaggerate what he's saying when he talks about love's the most important thing. Well, then we come to trying to figure out, well, just what is love? What does it mean to be a loving person? Because most of us in here would say, yeah, I'm a loving person. You ask the average Joe, they'll say, if you ask them, well, are you a loving person? They'll say, yeah. But if you kind of go a little farther, dig a little deeper, say, you know, are you patient? Well, I don't know. I kind of have a hard, I'm really kind of impatient, you know, with people. And, and are you kind to people? You, you, if, but if you, you know, you're saying, well, yeah, I'm kind. But if you're rude to people. So he says, so love is, love is patient. And love is kind. And so we talked about that, you know, a couple weeks ago. How many of you would say you need more, you've got room to grow in being patient? Okay, I think probably most of us do. And when it comes to being kind, kind-hearted, because that's, that's what God is. It's his kindness that draws us to him. And you know what I want for Abundant Life Church? I want for people who know, when they know that you are associated with this church in any way or another, that that they would say of us, those people are the most patient and they're the kindest people I know. 
And wouldn't that be great for them to say that of us? And so when you go out to the restaurant today and you eat and, and, and you're patient with, you know, the, the waiter or the waitress or you're kind to people and, and somehow or another they figure out that you go to this church, I just think it's so cool that they would say, that they're the, I just love it when those people from Abundant Life Church come here because they're such great people. And so today we're talking about probably one of the most difficult components of love when Paul says love does not envy. Love does not envy. So just kind of press pause for just a moment. And let me just one last time encourage you about hosting a life group because we're getting ready. We're getting all geared up for a fall season of life groups. And I'm excited about this fall season of life groups because we're going to be doing our own curriculum. I'm going to be... um, teaching a series from the, uh, the life of Abraham, and the series is called All In, and it's a very strategic series as I'm going to be casting a, a two-year vision for our church. And so we've produced this, this, uh, this life group video series right here on this stage, and so when I ask you to host a group, what I basically mean is that you don't have to be a theologian, and you don't have to be a teacher, and you don't have to have some kind of a degree. In fact, those things are probably getting your way. And, and so if you just have a heart for people, if you're just willing to open your home or open a space in a coffee shop or in your garage, just open some kind of space for people to meet and, and then serve a snack, okay, like serve, you know, uh, ice cream or, or chips or, you know, something really unhealthy, you know, to, to people, you know, or healthy. Uh, and, and, then, and then talk about the video. Just talk about the video. The video is going to be 20 to, to 30 minutes, and then you play it, and then you talk about it. And so you can do that. You can do that. And so I challenge you. Our goal is to have 120 groups this, this fall season. It'll be the most we've ever had. And um, right now, we're at about 100. And so in order to have 120, that means we've got to have 130, okay, because like 10 of you will probably back out. And, and so I know it won't, be, it won't be anybody in this service that backs out, but the, it's the people in the other services. They're the problem. And so... <laughs> And so, so I just encourage you to host a group. Okay, so that's enough about that. Now, let's go on and talk about love does not envy. I wanted to spin this in a positive because the series title is Love Is. So what is love? What's the opposite of envy? So I got to think about it. Love is, is, is being joyful when other people are blessed. Love is joyful. Love rejoices when other people are succeeding. And when other people are blessed, that's what love is. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer the question. I just want you to think about it for a second, okay? I'll come back around to it in a few moments. But what's easier, to weep with those who weep or to rejoice with those who rejoice? Okay, don't answer the question. Just think about it. But which is easier, to weep with those who weep or to rejoice with those who rejoice? Now, Envy is ugly. It's, it's sinister, and it's just, it's just mean, okay? Envy is just not good. Uh, people do crazy things when they envy other people. Back in the 1970s, for example, um, country music was going through a transition. 
And so back in the 70s, when country music was all about, you know, slick back hair and rhinestone suits and songs about tra tractors and trucks and cheating hearts, um, it was going through a transition. And so now this new breed of country music was coming along that was kind of crossing over. And, and now people were singing who had bushy hair and bell-bottom jeans. And they were singing songs about sunshine and love and peaceful, easy feelings, okay? Now, does anybody know who was kind of leading the way in, hmm? Not the Eagles. They may have been too, I don't know. But the person I'm thinking about is John Denver. John Denver. And so John Denver is kind of leading the way, and, and he's producing these albums, and, and they're going platinum like, like right now. And, and there weren't many people producing albums that were going gold, which is selling like 500000 a year. He was producing not just gold, but platinum that sells like over a million a year. And so in the country music scene, there were people who didn't like that. And so in 1975, at the Country Music Awards, Charlie Rich, it was his job to announce the country music artist of the year in 1975. And so he walks up on the stage and he opens the envelope and instead of reading the name, you know what he did? He pulled out a cigarette lighter and he lit it and put it on fire, dropped it on the stage and walked off. You know why? Because John Denver was the one who won the country music artist of the year. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would he do that? Why do people do things like that? Because they're envious, because they're jealous, and envy's ugly. Envy causes us to do things that, that, that we shouldn't do. And, and it's just the way it is. And, and so the Bible talks a lot about envy, and, and people have written about envy, and, and you, you read artists and, and, and poets and authors how do they describe envy? Some say it's the green sickness. You ever hear that? Envy is the green sickness. One uh, poet said that envy is like a coal hissing hot from hell. And, and, and they said uh, a, a greater pain uh, tyrants haven't invented. They said it's the greatest, it's the greatest pain to project on somebody is, is, is envy. And, and it never takes a holiday. All of these are the way people describe envy. And the Bible is so full of stories about envy. The dictionary, when you read the dictionary, how does it describe it? It says, envy is the feeling of displeasure and resentment. Displeasure and resentment produced because of the advantage or the prosperity of other people. Have you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever felt that displeasure come over you when you heard of somebody else's success? Have you ever felt a sense of resentment when somebody else kind of got the advantage or they got ahead of you some way or another? Well, that's, that's envy. Read through the Bible and you'll see story after story after story of people who did crazy things because they were envious. Go all the way back to Cain and Abel. What, what moved, what drove Cain to kill his brother, Abel? Envy, right? Envy. You go through the Old Testament. What moved in the heart 
of Joseph's brothers that would cause them to kick him into a pit and sell him to a bunch of traveling merchants on their way down to Egypt. Envy. Envy. Coming to the New Testament. Think about the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son that Jesus told. You know, why would the older brother go sulk and go pout and complain to his father when he throws a party for his son, his brother, who had come back, but he had wasted all of his money and wasted his life? What moved in his heart to, to have that kind of an attitude? It was envy. You never did that for me. It was envy. What, what drove the Pharisees to being so resistant to Jesus to the point that they eventually put him on a cross? Envy. And so you go through the whole Testament, go through the, go through the New Testament, you see story after story of envy. And the Bible talks so much about it. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body. But what does envy do? It rots the bones. It, it just rots the bones. I mean, envy is an inside job. And so it's eating people alive. It's kind of the picture that he's given here. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Solomon says, I saw that uh, all the labor and the achievement that spring, springs from man's envy of his neighbor. In other words, people are working themselves like crazy. Why? Because they envy the people around them. And then you go to James in the... In the uh, New Testament, where you have envy, what do you have? Every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. Wherever you have envy, you have every kind of evil. I'll bet you that we could think of a sin that's motivated by envy for every letter of the alphabet. Let's just see how smart you are. What, what, what is a sin that's motivated by envy that starts with the letter A? Adultery? Did I hear adultery? Yeah, okay, that came out in, the, in one of the other services. Adultery, okay, okay the letter B. Betrayal. Betrayal, yeah, betrayal, bitterness, backbiting, all of that is motivated by what? By envy. Letter C. Conniving. Somebody in the third, in the last service said conniving. Okay, sat right over there. I wasn't sure. Is conniving spelled with a C or a K? I don't know. I, I don't know how you spell conniving. I, I think probably a C. We'll, we'll, we'll let it count. What about, what about uh, the letter D? Deception? Yeah, deception. We deceive people. Why? Because we're envious of them. And you get the point. I could go all the way through the alphabet. Because where you have envy, what do you have? You have every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. And, and you'll see it. You'll see it in, in all kinds of relationships. And so the question I want to ask you right now is how do you know if you're envious of people or not? How do you know when it's sneaking into your life? Because envy is sneaky. It's It's sinister. And, and it can almost go undetected. But the reality is, you know if you're envious or not, don't you? You know. The, the only thing is, we've gotten pretty good at kind of masking it, at hiding it. We are. We're pretty smart. And when you, whenever you're envious of people, you, you know, you've got a way of kind of hiding. Because nobody ever wants to come out and say, I'm just, I'm just envious of that person, you know. 
I'm so jealous. I'm envious. And now you may occasionally do that for fun, but, but, but if you really meant it, you probably wouldn't say, I'm really envious. And so here's, what, here's the way people subtly express envy. The first one is, they're okay, but approach. They're okay, but approach. For as a pastor, it would be, somebody would come up to me and say, so-and-so is a great pastor, a great communicator. I'd say, yeah, he's okay, but... I don't think he's ever had an original thought. Okay? Or if, you know, if some lady sees another lady who's really attractive, you know, somebody says, boy, she's really pretty. Somebody will say, yeah, but I'll guarantee you, she said everything nipped and tucked and lipoed and lifted. That can be, you know? And you say, so, I mean, where does that come from? Where does that come from? It comes from a heart of, of envy. Right? And so, yeah, they're okay, but the, the, here's another way. It's what I call the cast a shadow approach. You want to cast a shadow over somebody else and cause people to kind of doubt their motives or doubt who they really are. For example, let's say somebody pulls up in the parking lot here at Abundant Life Church, and they're driving a beautiful brand-new 2017 BMW. Okay, and, and, and you hear somebody kind of off to the side saying, yeah, we could probably drive one of those too, but, you know, we, we give a lot of our money to the church. <laughs> right? And it's just kind of like casting a shadow as if it's apparent that they don't give anything to the church. Right? And so we cast a shadow. Where does that come from? It's because I'm envious, okay? And here's a third way is the unfair comparison approach. The unfair comparison. Let's say a lady singing up here on stage, solo is singing up here on stage. She sings a song, and uh, somebody else may be sitting out in the audience who, who also is a singer, and, and, and the friend leans over and says, wow, she did a great job. And the person who is envious might say something like, you know, I, I was at a conference just last week, and I heard a lady sing that song. And, I mean, wow, you talk about she just rocked it. She, she blew it out of the park. And so we make these unfair comparisons toward people. The, the place all that comes from is envy. It's, it's, it's envy. And so how do we put an end to that? How do we put an end to envy in our life? Jesus one time told a story in Matthew chapter 20. It's a very interesting story. In fact, he begins the story by saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. And, and then he goes on and tells the story. And in the story, I don't think the main point is about envy, but it's from the story we, we do get insight into envy and some steps that we can take to learn about how to get it out of our life. But the story goes like this. This farmer, he owns a vineyard, and he hires, he goes out one morning, let's say probably 6 a.m., and he hires a guy to come and work in the vineyard, and he says, I'm going to pay you a dollar for the day. You come and work for me, and I'm going to pay you for it. Which would have been the going range, uh, uh, rate for about that, that time? I'll give you a buck if you work for me for the day. And so they agree. Well, then, sometime later, he goes out and he hires some more people to come and work, and he, he doesn't tell them how much he's going to pay. He just says, I'll pay you a fair wage. 
And then he goes out a third time and does it again. And then a fourth time and does it again. And then a fifth time. And so he's, he, he's hired five different groups of people. And, and, and this is the arrangement that he's made. So now he comes to the end of the day and he's paying these people. And what he does is he reverses the order in which he pays them. And those he hired last, he pays first. And so what does he do? He pays the one he hired last a dollar. And then he pays the one who was hired next to last a dollar and so on, right on down. And so the guy who was hired first, he's thinking, this is awesome because he's paying them a buck and they haven't worked nearly as long as I have. I can only imagine what he's going to pay me. And then he gets paid a buck also. And he doesn't like that. In fact, he's envious. And he's upset. And so it's in this story that, that we, we learn some antidotes to envy and how we can begin to put an end to it in our own life. Here's the first one is don't compare. Don't compare. At the root of most envy is this, this thing called comparison. And that's what happened in this story. This is the first mistake they made in verses 9 and 10. It says, those hired last, they came up and were each given a dollar. And when those who were hired first saw that, they assumed that they would get far more. And so they were comparing. They were saying, oh, look at what they're getting. And they're comparing now what they're getting to where they think they're going to get, making the assumption they're going to get more, and they didn't. And so you know, now they're envious and really mad and upset about it. Comparison. Comparison is at the root of, of much envy. I mean, don't we compare today all the time? I mean, you know, I'll bet people come in church and, and, and they compare. I mean, we compare all the time. We compare all kinds of stuff. People compare, you know, cars that they drive. People compare clothes that they wear. People compare houses that they live in. People compare incomes. People compare um, uh, spouses. People compare hairdos. Okay? I know some of you guys are probably pretty envious right now. Okay? <laughs> because, because everybody can't have a head like Curtis and me, you know? And uh, you do need to go tighter. And, uh, and because God only made a few perfect hits and the rest he covered with hair. And, and so we, I can understand, you know, where you'd be, you would be envious. But here's the problem. Whenever we compare is we lose, right? Every time we compare, we lose. Every time. Because I, I, I can always find somebody who is not as good as me. I can always find somebody who doesn't have as much as me. Somebody who doesn't have as big of a church as me. And guess what? I can become prideful. I can be proud. And that's not good, right? Pride is not good. In fact, Jesus says that, or, or the New Testament says that pride goes before the fall and, and that God detests pride. And so that's not good. Well, then I can look around and I can always find people who are better than I am, who have bigger churches than I do, who are better communicators than me and all that stuff. And, and then what happens? Now I'm envious and that's not good. And so you lose. You always lose whenever you compare. And besides, we're all unique, right? We're all unique. What, what happens is many times we'll look at somebody from a distance and we'll think, wow, I wish I could be like her. I wish I could be like him. And we look at people from a distance, and all we see is their success. 
and what they have or where they've arrived. And we don't know what they had to go through to get there. We don't know the sacrifices they made. We don't know the heartache they had to go through. We don't know what they gave up, the pain. And, and when you get closer to those people, you come to realize, you know what? They're just about as messed up as I am. They're not a whole lot different than, than me because they've got warts and, 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 and screw-ups just like I do. So we look at people and we think, ah, I wish I could be like them. You know, I'll bet you, some of you, you probably look up here sometimes and you see Scott, Scott Miller, who leads our worship, and, uh, and you think, man, I should love to be like Scott, have a voice like that, be able to play, play guitar like that. It'd be so cool. Or Dave Prohl. I wish I could be like Dave. I mean, he walks on stage, and he's got this big presence about him, and he's got this big booming voice, and it's just natural for him to walk up here and crack a joke and even make announcements fun and all that stuff. I wish I could be like him. Can I just say something to you? No, you don't. No. <laughs> No, you don't. You, you don't. You see, I work with these guys. <laughs> you, you don't want to be like, like them. The funny thing is, they want to be like me. And, 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 and now that I think about it, there are exceptions. <laughs> okay. But, but the reality is, you know, we, we compare all the time, and what happens is, is always lose. The reality is, that you, you know what? The only person you should ever compare yourself to is who you were yesterday. That's the, if, you go, if you're into the comparison game, then just compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And what I tell people often is that when you come to the end of your day, you've got one of two choices that you could make. You either ought to applaud yourself or you ought to prod yourself. <laughs> one or the other. I mean, you can applaud yourself. You know, George, you did a good job. You gave it your all. You really gave it your best shot. You didn't slack off, and you really gave it your best effort, and you did a good job. Way to go. Or, Come on, George, pick it up. You know, you were slacking. You know you didn't give it your best shot. You know you said some things you shouldn't have said, and you didn't work hard enough. Come on, get after it. Let's go. See, either applaud yourself or prod yourself. Because what happens is when, when you and I start comparing and all this stuff, so compare yourself to yourself. Are you better than you were the day before? Because if, if we compare ourselves to others, this is what's happening. We build walls between the people we love. Because this is what I see happening, and it's crazy, but I see, I see husbands um, comparing themselves to their wife or their spouse. And, and people get jealous of their spouse or envious of their spouse or even envious of their parents or envious of their children or envious of their friends. And what happens is we start building these walls between people that we love. And, and Paul says love doesn't envy. It doesn't envy. But if you learn to, to appreciate other people and applaud other people, actually what you're doing is building bridges into their life. And so here's the second thing. Practice celebrating. Practice celebrating. Practice celebrating. Okay, don't compare and practice celebrating. Now, what do I mean? I mean practice celebrating other people's successes. Practice celebrating their victories. When they win, celebrate that. I believe personally that every person deserves a standing ovation. 
just because of them being created in the image of God. Every, every person deserves a standing ovation, but most people in life never get a standing ovation. I'm just curious, how many of you have ever had a standing ovation? Raise your hand. Okay, a handful of people, just a handful of people around here. Most people don't get a standing ovation. I think you should. And so I want right now you to give a standing ovation to the people who are all on all four sides of you right now. Okay, the one in front, back, sideways. So stand up, give them a standing ovation right now. Right now, come on. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Isn't that great? You guys are awesome. You guys are awesome to, to do that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it needs a little bit more over here. Oh, that's good. That's good. And so most people never get that. I think people ought to have a standing ovation. Now, let me just give you a little insight. If you ever want to know who's envious, look around and see who's not clapping. <laughs> Or if they're doing one of these numbers. Okay? So if you ever get a chance to give somebody a standing ovation, if you don't want them to know you're envious, then you better get in there and do it, okay? Don't, don't do this like roll your eyes and give a golf clap, okay? And, and so it's just, I mean, practice celebrating their victory because this is the choice you and I have. We can either rejoice in their blessings or we can resent their blessings. That's the choice that you and I have to make. And that's the problem in the story. These workers, they resented the other people being paid the same thing they got. Look at it in verse 10 and 11. It says, the workers who had been hired first... They thought they would be given more than the others. But when they were given the same, they began complaining to the owner of the vineyard. And he says, are you envious because I'm generous to them? Are you envious? And, and so envy, you know, just is deep in the heart. Are you envy because I bless them? Okay, now let's come back to the question that I asked you at the beginning. Which is easier? To weep with those who weep or to rejoice with those who rejoice? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure there's a right or wrong, but me personally, it's easier, far easier for me to weep with people who weep. It's a whole lot easier for me when somebody comes to me with a sad story, just lost my job, or you know, life has handed them a bunch of lemons, and, and life is tough. And for me, it's a whole lot easier for me to just identify and say, you know what, man, I am so sorry. I can't imagine the pain that, that you must be feeling. Man, I'm sorry about that. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be praying for you. Okay, That's pretty easy for me to do. As opposed to, you know, somebody comes and, and they, had, they won the, the lottery. You know, they just won a million dollars or some uncle died and left them, you know, $100,000 or something like that. It's like, awesome. That's great. Wait, I'm so happy for you. So happy for you. You know? And so, I don't know. For me, I think it's harder to rejoice. And so, Paul says, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice. 
I got to be real honest, you know, for it's no different for pastors, okay? You know, I told you that, that most of the sermons I preach, I'm, I have to preach to myself because I'm, I'm trying to work my way through a bunch of this stuff too. And, um, and pastors are no different. And, and so, you know, when, when I will tend to get most envious, it's when our staff, we go down to a conference in Southern California. We go down to a conference in Southern California, and they've got this beautiful weather, and so they get to do all this outdoor ministry stuff. And there's a church we go to there down in Irvine, Cal, where all the rich people live. And, and we go down there to, to a conference, and they've got these, 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 these uh, waterways going through the campus, and they've got rocks and waterfalls and ponds, and, and they have picnic tables, and they've got an outdoor baptistry and, and all this sunshine. It's like, who couldn't grow a ministry down there? Who couldn't get a bunch of people to come to church? You know, and we come back, you know, we're Robbie, we come back up here and what do we have? We have a portico and two heat lamps out there. (laughs) You know, it's like, hey, if we had our ministry down there, we'd be just as big, if not a whole lot bigger than they are. You know, well, where does that come from? It comes from envy because I'm envious. And, and so we do, we have to pray, God, help me stop lusting after this campus. Help me to stop being so envious of these people and what they've got down here. It's, a, it's just a sinister. It's a sinister kind of uh, uh, sin because it does so many things. It, it causes me to devalue other people. It, it causes me to lose joy. And, and I can't experience happiness because as long as I'm envious of somebody else, then I'm losing joy. Somebody else gets a promotion. I'm so sick of hearing about people getting a promotion. You know, I get stuck with the same old job. Or, or you're, a young, uh, you're single and you want to get married and you're sick of getting wedding invitations. You know, I'm so tired of getting wedding invitations. So I don't want to go to their wedding, you know. Or you've been trying to have a baby for years, and, and here they are having their, you know, their, their fourth or their fifth. It's like, I am so sick of, you know, babies, you know, coming out of that household, you know. <laughs> and it's like, and, and so you can't rejoice, you know, with, with, with them anymore. Somebody gets an inheritance, you know, they, they have a rich uncle that dies, and it's like, whoop-de-doo, you know, good for you, you know. And, and you can't rejoice anymore. And, and so we begin to lose the, the joy, and we become critical of people, and that's all the stuff that envy does to us. And so I just encourage you, don't compare, practice celebrating, and then here's number three, find enjoyment. Find enjoyment. What I mean is find enjoyment in the blessings that God has given to your life because he's blessed you too. He's blessed you as well. And instead of complaining like these workers did who didn't get what they thought they should have received, they were also blessed because they had been given a job. And so in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, Paul says this, Isn't everything you have and everything you are a sheer gift from God? So so what's the point of all this complaining and competing? You already have all you need. And so I have to come to this place in my life where I learn to find enjoyment 
for what God has already given to me. Because, because here's what envy does. Envy asks a question, and so does gratitude ask a question. Envy asks a question, and the question is this. Why them? Lord, why them? Why do they get the good job? Why do they get to live in the big house? Why do they wear the nice clothes? Why do they get whatever? Why do they get to take the trip? Why them? That's what envy asks. But gratitude asks a completely different question. Gratitude asks the question, Lord, why me? I don't deserve this. I don't deserve the blessings that you've given to me. Why me? Why have you chosen to bless me as you have? And it's a totally different perspective. And if you're, and if you're thinking, yeah, but I'm not blessed. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. And, and compared to most of the world, we are. And what I want to encourage you to somehow do is to flip a switch somehow in your mind to where you get beyond, you know, because here's the lie that envy, here's, here's what envy does. Envy is based on a lie, and the lie basically says this, I've got to have more in order to be happy. And, and it even goes a little bit farther. Envy is based on a bigger lie that says, not only do I have to have more, I've got to have what you have in order to be happy. And I won't be happy, and I won't be happy for you until I have it too. And so a lot of people go through life really miserable and lacking joy because it's based on thinking they've got to have what somebody else has, as opposed to being grateful for what they already have. Because this is what I believe. When you and I learn to be grateful for what we already have, and we're, and we're generous with it, and we're grateful with it, then God has a way of blessing us with even more. Because what happens is what we sow, we reap. Again, it's just a principle that we've talked about many times in this church. What you sow, you reap. And so if you sow seeds of envy, if you sow seeds of ingratitude, if you sow seeds of jealousy, if you sow seeds of bitterness and resentment, then, then all you're doing is kind of inviting that stuff back into your life. And that's kind of who you become. But if you sow seeds of gratitude and, and uh, graciousness and, and uh, thankfulness and thanksgiving, and you sow those kinds of seeds, rejoice in other people's blessings, guess what? When you sow that, you begin to receive that back too. And that's just the way, the, the way life works. And so in Ecclesiastes, the Solomon says, it's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. And so envy says, God, uh, why them? Gratitude says, God, why me? Thank you. Thank you. So don't compare. Practice celebrating. Find enjoyment. Here's number four. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. And what I mean by that is trust God when life seems unfair. Trust God when it seems like you've gotten the short end of the stick. Trust God when it seems like things aren't working out the way you thought they should have worked out. Trust God anyway. Trust God anyway. Because, again, here's the choice that you and I have to make. Either I'm going to trust God or I'm going to resent God. I'm going to trust him or I'm going to resent him. And so in this story, listen, you'll see it in this story right here in verse 12. These last workers, they put in only one easy hour, and yet you've made them equal to us. 
who we slaved all day under the scorching sun? And you bless them the same as us? That doesn't make sense. And so, so they weren't trusting. And then the, the owner makes this, this, this oh my gosh, this, this statement that's powerful. He says, friends, I didn't cheat you. I paid you exactly what we agreed upon. What business is it of yours if I want to pay them the same thing that I paid you? Don't I have the right to do whatever I want to do with my own money? So, oh, my gosh. I mean, that's, oh, gosh. It's like God saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the creator. I'm the owner. I'm the one who has it all. Let me be in charge. And, and my responsibility is to trust God, to trust God, not be resentful of his blessing in somebody else's life. You see, that's why envy is so, so sinister, because here's the bottom line to envy. And this is tough. This, this is a tough pill to swallow. But whenever I'm envious of you, it really is not an issue with you. It's an issue with God. That's the real issue. Because when I'm envious with you, it's basically me saying, God, I got the short end of the stick. And you haven't blessed me the way you've blessed them. And it really is more of an issue with God. Envy, all it is, is a symptom. Doubting God is the big issue. All envy is, is a fever. Doubting God, doubting God is the infection. And so I just want to encourage you. Paul says, love doesn't envy. It doesn't envy. And the only way you and I can flip that switch and, and not envy other people is to, to be able to look at God and say, God, thank you. You are a gracious God. You're a loving God. You always have and you always will provide for me. You're a good God. You're, you're a great, good God to me. And, and I, I want you to so fill my life with, with who you are that I can't help but overflow with love for other people. And even to the point that I rejoice when they're blessed, that I celebrate their victories. And all of that begins to shape who you are and begins to change who you are to where you become a more loving person and less resentful and envious. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head and as we close out today, what I want you to know is that God loves you so much. He loves you more than you love yourself. And he proved that by giving his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to save you from your sin and to, to forgive you of your sin and to give you a fresh start every day. And so if you've never come to faith in Jesus, if you've never stepped across the line and said, Jesus, I, I want you to be my Savior and Lord. I submit myself. I surrender myself to you. I want to invite you to make that step today. And, and so if that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me in just a moment. I want to invite all of you who have ever made the decision to follow Jesus, if you would allow this to be an opportunity to say, I want to reaffirm my faith in Jesus Christ and my love for Jesus and my trust in, in him. And so would you join me in this prayer? Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you paid for my sin on the cross. I surrender myself before you and today I trust you, and I'm asking you to be my Savior and Lord. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.